0: listening to hungry for more an epicurean's dilemma and I'm your host Trish Gloss. Today's episode sponsored by Tap and Vine 559 the place to eat, meet and drink in southern Oregon. Kylie Maison Chambers on the podcast today. She's a writer, cook, photographer and the brilliant woman behind Cooking with Cocktail Rings. That's how you can find her on social media also the name of her website She talks about growing up in New Jersey with a mom who didn't really like to cook. Uh, She said food was really important, though, to the family, and Kylie discovered she did like to cook and really enjoyed being in the kitchen. That's not what she set out to do, though. She moved to Southern California to go to school and get into the fashion industry. That didn't work out. She'll explain why. She says it wasn't until mom asked for Kylie's recipes to write them down for her that the light bulb went off. She started a food blog where she started to compile all of these recipes. And she says the growth was really small at first. Uh, In a sea of food blogs where there's a bazillion food bloggers out there, how was she going to stand out? She said that's always been a theme for her, comparing herself to others, trying not to compare herself to others. She said when she really hunkered down and focused on what Kylie wanted to do, everything took off. Here's Kylie Maison Chambers. Do people ever see you and go, oh my gosh, it's cooking with cocktail rings?
1: Um, a handful of times it's happened. And every time, like, it's still like, I think about it all the time because it's really cool. <laughs> that's super <laughs> that people, cool. Like, people have actually recognized me. It's wild. I think that's a very cool thing with social media.
0: It Social media is nuts. Uh, Kylie Maison Chambers, writer, cook, photographer. Also, I guess we could call you a food blogger. Um, You're known on Instagram as cooking with cocktail rings. That's how a lot of people know you and follow you. Um, We're going to talk about the whole cocktail rings thing. Um, You're joining us from Brooklyn
1: today. I am Williamsburg.
0: Wow. Okay. So I read that you are from, well, where are you from originally?
1: I'm from New Jersey. um, And then I moved to LA for about 10 years and had gone to college out there and was living um there for a while. And then during the pandemic, my husband and I ended up moving to New York. Oh wow. So you
0: went to Southern California for school?
1: Yes. Okay. I did. I went to Pepperdine University. And that's nice. where I met my husband. I had moved back to the East Coast for a year of frigid winter <laughs> <laughs> and was working in PR and I did not enjoy it, um, I was doing fashion PR, and it just wasn't for me, and so I actually was writing down my recipes for my mom um, when I was moving back to LA, and that's kind of where Cooking with Cocktail Rings was born, oh, I fine. was compiling my recipes, because my mom doesn't really cook,
0: mm-hmm. and so
1: I've always been the cook of the family, and so I just was sharing those with her, and then as I was applying to other jobs, I kind of started sharing my recipes, and it kind of it just turned into my career.
0: I love that your mom is like, can you write down your recipes for me? It's usually (laughs) the other way around.
1: Totally. Totally. And I will say, I mean, she's an incredible baker. She makes incredible cakes and cookies and all of that. And so I do take her recipes from that. But the cooking side of things is is me.
0: (laughs) That's brilliant. So let's talk about you grew up in New Jersey. Yeah. Okay. You don't really have an accent.
1: A lot of people say that. I mean, I'm from Northern New Jersey. It's. I feel like there's not as much of an accent associated with it. As I think it was the decade in other SoCal. Areas.
0: I think it was the decade yeah. in SoCal. It, it ridded you. It was like psh, gone. Um, what was that like growing up in New Jersey? I'll let you take. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um,
1: a lot of people, especially when I went to college, it was around like the Jersey Shore era. So people were like. Why don't you have an accent? <laughs> and, you know, is it really like that? Um, I loved it. I grew up in a really more like suburban area, uh, lots of farms. It's called the Garden State for a reason. There's incredible, incredible produce. And so I had a much different experience, I feel like, than a lot of people expect when you say New Jersey. Probably, yes.
0: Um, <laughs> did you grow up around food? Was food important in your house? Yes,
1: yes. Food has always been something that's brought people together Um, at my house it I have my my parents and then a brother but any given night on dinner it could be just the four of us or it could be 10 people (laughs) you kind of like never really knew my mom had a really open door policy where our friends could come and just like it was kind of like a haven for everyone and we just loved spending time together and loved entertaining and loved cooking for people so I got really good at scaling recipes up or just making them for us. And so it was really, really nice.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Mom sounds awesome. Yeah, I read that your mom, you you sort of became the cook because mom did not like to cook.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She's a baker. But my dad and I, my dad and I actually cooked together a lot. Yeah. Um, and so that was that was always our fun thing. And now my brother is incredible at like grilling and smoking meats and doing that kind of stuff. And so he's become a really great cook, but at the time he didn't really cook.
0: <laughs> I feel I feel like dinner in your house right now, like current sitch, like dinner at your house is fantastic.
1: I mean, when the family gets together, I don't want to brag. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. We, we were just, we were just all together for Thanksgiving and it was actually my husband's family and my family and we were down in um, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We went to the Iron Bowl game, the football game, and we did a big Thanksgiving and it was great. I'm not yeah. going to lie.
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> I come from a, a big family of cooks. I mean, they're all just really good mm-hmm. in the kitchen and I just, oh man, there's nothing like, because everybody has kind of their area, right? Of Everyone has
1: their thing. Yeah. What they're good at. And especially with a family, you just kind of like, you fall into the rhythm.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So I also read Uncle. Uncle is a chef. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
1: My my uncle's a chef. And so I learned a lot of techniques from him. So that was really helpful. Um, one of the first things I ever learned to cook was actually creme brulee. No way. Yeah. Creme
0: brulee is <laughs> so crazy hard. He taught hard. me that
1: very early on. Yeah.
0: Um, and when you were cooking at a young age for the family, you're cooking for the family? <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. That's crazy.
1: Um, Well, I mean, like everyone would still help. I just kind of would would direct things. And yeah.
0: I can just like, I kind of picture eight-year-old Kylie just like, set the table, stir this, like kind of, yeah.
1: (laughs) I'd say it's kind of started maybe like right before high school because actually early on in my childhood, I was the pickiest eater. Mm -hmm. I ate like bland white foods, like white rice. Pasta with butter and Parmesan cheese. (laughs) My mom had to carry around like little ranch packets for me to eat things with. (laughs) You were the ranch girl. (laughs) I was the ranch girl. And so my family laughs because I mean, now I will eat absolutely anything, try anything once. And so I've come a long way.
0: What do you think? Where do you think that switched, though? Like, what what do you think happened?
1: It's actually so strange. I got my tonsils out. (laughs) And... I got my consoles out and I started craving like different foods. I was became like anemic and so then I started craving meats more and then just would start to try everything. Also, I'm very competitive and my brother has always been, (laughs) my younger brother too, so he has always been down to try anything, eat anything. He was like this like little kid who would order twin lobsters when we go to Martha's Vineyard and just take them down and everyone would be staring at him. So he, we're competitive. So if he was eating it, I was like, okay, well, I should try this too. <laughs>
0: Fantastic. I mean, you could say the tonsils coming out really—that's like a turning point for you. It's like
1: so strange. That is strange. But yeah, it made me start craving different things.
0: Okay, so here you are cooking stuff, but you don't necessarily want to do this as a career. You don't want to be a chef. You don't want to go to cooking school.
1: No, I don't want to be a chef. A lot of people ask, like, am I going to open a restaurant? And that's just not. That's not me. That's not the hours that I want. I love that as a food blogger uh, and recipe creator, I'm so flexible. I love working from home. My coworkers are my dog and my cat. Perfect. (laughs) And I have a flexible schedule, so it's nice.
0: You know, and not that I'm, I'm a home cook, by no means am I, I would ever consider myself like chef status. And I have a few people who joke, they're like, you should open like a food truck or you should open a restaurant. I just feel like that would kill, that would kill the passion.
1: Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, I've i been very fortunate to have some incredible mentors along the way. Um, I've worked with chefs. Um, and so they definitely have a big impact on mm-hmm. my skills and, and things like that. But in terms of of the time and like the hours, I just, I, it's not for me. Mm -hmm. I like the flexibility of being able to be inspired, write a recipe, test it and work on it and then, and then share it with people. And then I also like the photography side of things.
0: Yes. You're very good at it too.
1: Um, Thank you. Being able to do everything is fun. Yeah.
0: The control. I have control issues. So yes,
1: (laughs) I I think you've got that. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. (laughs) Um,
0: I do find chefs, though, they're – I'm a little googly-eyed around chefs. I, I am. I just – I feel like they are total celebrity status for me just because food is a, a huge passion. And they're just – I just – they're so nonchalant about stuff. Like, they take a whole fish and slap it around and take the guts out and throw it in a pan. And we're like, oh, we'll figure that out later. And it's just so impressive. So I just – I think chefs are very much – I hold them pretty high.
1: Yes, I, I would agree. Um, and while I'm not classically trained, I do try to do the research and, you know, practice, practice to be able to do certain skills like mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I cite my uncle as a huge inspiration. Um, but, and then also just in terms of how cutthroat the restaurant industry is, to to be a chef and and grind like that yeah. and, and have a successful restaurant, I think is impressive, especially like around places like New York, where... <laughs> The turnover is crazy. Yeah.
0: And you're saturated. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So then let's back up a little bit. You're not really wanting to go to cooking school necessarily, but you go, you travel across the country to go to school. What's on the brain? Like, what are you thinking? What do you want to be when you grow up?
1: At that time, mm-hmm. I wanted to work in fashion. Okay. Um, And then it, it turned out to be a little more devil worse Prada than I was expecting. And I just, I, I lost, it's the kind of thing that you were saying, like, being if you were to be a chef then you think that you would lose the passion i i lost the passion it it was not for me and so i explored different career paths and and happened to find on my next <laughs> try something that i absolutely love and still almost i guess i started my blog probably 7 years ago now okay. and i have maybe i think more passion for it now than ever
0: so you said it was when your mom really kind of asked for your recipes like to write some Mm -hmm. of them down for her and that's yeah I started
1: compiling them and then my I had a mentor at the time who taught me how to really properly write recipes she was the the head recipe writer and um head of the test kitchen for Viking cookware in their culinary school Mm -hmm. and so she taught me a lot and then she put me in touch with um another chef Anne Willen who she had a culinary school in France and then lived half the year as she had gotten older, lived half the year in Santa Monica. And so it just kind of it worked out. Whereas then I was able to work with her and kind of work on proper recipe structure. And my husband had encouraged my now husband had encouraged me to start sharing my recipes with people. And it just morphed into cooking with popcorns You had some killer mentors. Wow. Yes. Like I said, I've been I've been very lucky. And you know, so much of that comes down to networking.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. So recipe writing, because I don't know if you, if you feel this at all, you're probably much better at it now than you were maybe a few years ago. I I don't like my, my kiddos like, Hey, can you, can you write down some of these recipes that, and I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, I don't know. I don't know a handful. I have no idea how much of (laughs) this and that, that I put in. What did you learn from recipe writing specifically?
1: A lot of it is, is developing like a consistent style. Um, and again, measurements key. That is, that is huge. And it's funny because like a lot of chefs actually have trouble writing down their recipes because first of all, you're working at such higher volume in, in kitchens. Um, so I, I remember like asking my uncle for recipes and he'd be like, you know, like a little of this, like you do this and you're kind of like, okay, this doesn't really write it down. <laughs> and I, I think it's funny. So the this, this chef thing is, is very different I know that they struggle with actually writing down recipes mm-hmm. um but yeah so uh, I think a lot of consistent making sure your your style for that is consistent and you, your measurements are right do you in your research
0: do you write down those measurements like you make it one time and then you kind of write down and then you go back and you tweak things obviously
1: <clears throat> so mainly like what I do at least now um, is I'll write a rough draft of a recipe. If I have an idea in my head, sometimes when I'm cooking, um, I'll just kind of experiment and come up with something and be like, Oh yeah, I should write that down. Um, but a lot of times now with what I do, I have an idea in my head because I know all the the techniques and, you know, baseline of things I can, I have a framework to start with a lot of the time. And then I'll test that and see how that goes based off of those, um, kind of random measurements that I've scribbled down (laughs) and test that and then work from there and then, and tweak and retest from that. So
0: you're writing down these recipes for your mom. I mean, I guess where was that aha moment where you're like, I should start a blog and then what, what came first? Like, did the website come first and then Instagram? Like what, what happened first?
1: Well, at first, I thought I'm going to write a cookbook, but you know, it's just not a thing anymore to just you know go out and write a cookbook. <laughs> it's not how things work, you really need to build a following. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I had written everything down, compiled that, and I started. I think I started the Instagram first, just sharing a couple photos, and then very, very soon after, started the the website.
0: Okay. Was it because you were hearing, like, really, were you getting really good feedback from maybe friends or family? People
1: like, kept asking for for the recipes, and so I had started to share them, and And my husband Aaron had said, you know, I think there's something here. You should make a website and start doing that, and I did.
0: Go hubby. What a sweet guy. Yeah, That's he's amazing. very encouraging. Yeah, sounds like it. So I guess I'm super curious. You start putting the stuff on social media. Does it just explode? Is it organic? Does it grow slowly?
1: Uh, I'd say it, it grew slowly. You know, I think a lot of people don't understand. You know, they want the the stardom overnight kind of mm-hmm. thing to happen, and I mean that does that does happen with a lot of people on social media. It is absolutely a thing. For me, it was more of a being consistent and and making sure that I consistently posted and shared and developed kind of an interaction with my audience. Um, that over time it grew.
0: Walk me through your process as far as when you're posting. Do you have a calendar? Are you pre planning things <laughs> or is it something that just, like, pops I, I out?
1: try? Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes it, it depends on the day or the week. Um, some weeks I am um, planned out, some months I, you know, have my content calendar ready to go and I'm really on top of it. Other months, um, not so much. And it kind of creeps up on you. Yeah. So So it's a lot more off the cuff um, work. Is it daily? Do you you post every single day? Um, no, I, I try to post like four to five times, um, a week, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's so hard, you know, it's so hard to keep up with that level of content creation and keep it uh, at the quality that I want. Luckily now, um, it's also hard because then, so like, I try to post like, Two recipes, two new recipes a week on my website. And then I will hopefully have videos or photos that I can post on Instagram and TikTok. And then on top of those, I'll kind of film videos off older recipes or like little tips and things like that that I can post as reels and TikToks as well. Yeah. So it depends on the platform for how much I'm posting.
0: Gotcha. I also feel like, especially for food bloggers like yourself, I'm just like where – you guys are this never-ending hole of ideas. Like it just it, – it's very impressive. And I know the holidays are a little easier, right? Because you can kind of – there's a theme to it. But like, you know, next March, I mean, do you ever hit like a dry spell where you're like, what the hell am I going to do?
1: Yeah. So I always keep a, a like a, um, a word doc and a note on my phone of different ideas. A running list of flavor combinations of ingredient combinations of different dishes that i i might have had that i can kind of put a a twist on or, or recreate something like that um you know travel is a huge inspiration for me um but definitely like it's good to have those ideas written down because if i'm at a loss then i can consult that and try and spark something
0: no kidding i mean i was on your website and i hit the travel section and all over the place, you have been all over the place. And then I'm like, does this girl like stop working? Like, do you just go on, va- like, go on vacation and, and, <laughs> yeah. and not document it? I mean, it's,
1: it's a lot. Not document it? No, <laughs> I, I don't do that. But I do enjoy vacations and do enjoy that. And because, you know, the the nice part of my job is that I can have more of a work-life balance and am flexible. But at the same time, because you are the one who's deciding your own hours, it can be difficult to turn off.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. So where have you been in the last, I don't know, few years that really just inspired you food wise?
1: Um, well, COVID definitely put a, a wrench in things um, yeah. in terms of travel. But before that, um, I, we had gone to Thailand and that's definitely been a huge inspiration for me. And then more recently, we were in France and for a wedding and just incredible, incredible food in Paris. I've heard. I've heard,
0: I've never been, I've heard it's just absolutely amazing. Like there's nothing like it.
1: I mean, there's a reason why, you know, French cuisine is, is popular. Um, And of course you can't go wrong with really good cheese and bread. Dude, seriously.
0: Did you come (laughs) back like recreating anything?
1: Um, Yeah. I had just an incredible, um, just very simple ham and cheese sandwich Mm -hmm. that I made, um, I will say I I'm pregnant. And so it was difficult to not eat like all of the stinky cheeses that are unpasteurized there and the wine. So I did miss out on that this trip.
0: (laughs) You go back. Congratulations, by the way.
1: Thank you. That's
0: awesome. Um, so how has that played a role in food blogging? Has it?
1: Yeah. Um, my first trimester was really hard because nothing sounded good. Um, usually I, I still eat all the food that I'm making. Um, a lot of people ask like, you know, what do you do with all of the food? <laughs> and some I'll, i give away to, to friends and neighbors and I get their input on things. So it's a, a very good trade-off. And <laughs> then other things I will reheat for dinner and then kind of try to re- recreate into different meals so that nothing goes to waste. Cause I really, I don't like food waste. Um, and I do think that that is a big issue. So I try to remake and repurpose as much as I can. Um, but in my first trimester, I all I wanted was pasta, cereal, and bagels.
0: Nice. You you were reverting back to the ranch days, the young. I know. Yeah. Kylie right. Day. You're like,
1: I need ranch. Yeah. So everything I'd be like, okay, you have to eat this because I can't even look at
0: it. Oh man, I can't imagine that would be really hard because when you're not feeling something, I, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want ma- to smell it.
1: It was it was hard because I just didn't feel like myself because so much of my life revolves around food. Yeah. So that was tough. But, um, things, but things are good
0: now. I was going to ask. Things are better now. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. When are you due?
1: February nineteenth.
0: Yay! That's so exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. Coming
1: coming quickly.
0: <laughs> oh, it'll be here before you know it. That that, that little That's, human. I'm will trying be here. to
1: prep yeah, I'm trying to prep as much as I can to be able to take uh, maternity leave and slow down so I'm trying to bank content so that I can still be kind of posting some things. And right now that that's difficult. Um, just because of the holidays, there's such a push for so much content for holidays that I I don't feel like at this time I can really get ahead. So January is is when I plan to really do that and we'll see how it goes.
0: That's an that's an interesting topic. I want to ask you about that first mm-hmm. uh, quick message from today's sponsor. We'll be right back. Welcome to Tap and Vine 559. The place for that drink after work. Choose from a long list of local wine, craft beers, and ciders on tap. The place for lunch or dinner shareable bites, fresh salads and bowls, and mouth-watering sandwiches and entrees. Come with a friend, the family, or book Tap and Vine for your next party or event. More information at tapandvine559.com. Tap and Vine 559, the place to eat, meet, and drink in Southern Oregon. So you said banking content. I mean, shooting like crazy like shooting just little things like crazy and then saving them
1: yeah yeah really trying to get ahead and then be able to i'll I'll probably slow down posting one new recipe a week rather than two um but again if you know in a social media world moves really fast so you still want to stay relevant and kind of with it but at the same time like i have to take a maternity leave
0: (laughs) Absolutely. No, no kidding. And I think your followers will understand that, right? That, hey, she's a new mom. Like everybody yeah. calm, calm down. You don't need a new recipe this week. Chill out.
1: Right. And it's not, it's not as much of the followers. It's a lot of uh, more of like the algorithms for things, you know, staying relevant in search results, yeah. having your, your video still come up and, and be fed to people. So it's not as much you know an angry mob as it is a a self-imposed thing of wanting to stay relevant. <laughs> oh,
0: I feel this I feel the self-imposed. I just you know, growing followers um and for me I'm not a food blogger but I am a podcaster and so Absolutely. When you when you want people to sponsor your podcast, they look at how many people are listening to it and how many people are listening to it is based on how many people are following you. It is a vicious nasty little cycle. And I'm glad you mentioned the word algorithm. Like I mentioned before we started um the interview, I just chatted with a food blogger. I had no idea that it it it's a um a word count, right? You have to have a certain amount of words in the blog.
1: Yes. Yes, that's something that I I learned later on when I cuz for so long I tried to make my recipes on my website more like a cookbook with like a little head note and you know cuz You always hear people complaining about how they don't want to hear your life story, which is fine. I'm not trying to give a life story. I'm trying to give, you know, just a quick blurb or how different substitutions, because people will say that they don't want this information, but then. Ask about a million substitutions. Ask how they can make it dairy free. Ask what they can do. And so I try to put that information in there now. Yeah. Um. But at first, you know, I was like, I'm just gonna do it like a cookbook, and Google doesn't pick up on that. So right, right. <laughs> you you have to learn how to play the system.
0: Google is very very catty when it comes to blogs.
1: So I mean, I
0: remember it's so it all is clicking for me now because reading through, finding a recipe and reading through, I'm like, I don't care that you went to the farmer's market last week and you found this. And then, you know, your aunt called and you guys hashed over a recipe. I'm like, oh my, just get to the recipe. Right. But in order for it to pop up when I do a search on, you know, broccoli cheddar soup, it all depends on how you have laid out that recipe. If yours pops up first, right?
1: Yes, and and I will say this—the kind of like the story intro thing—that's a lot more of a thing of the past now. Um, that doesn't have as much impact, and okay. and I really like—I don't tell s- stories like that as a full, you know, thing for my recipe. Um, I just try to give tips on maybe buying a certain ingredient, where okay. you can find it, um, what you should be looking for, like tips on buying meat things uh, or, and things that are or more difficult to find or ingredients that people might not be as familiar with mm-hmm. um explaining that and then also giving those kind of like swaps and substitutions gotcha um for recipes it's... but i think the the story thing is something that people really harp on and i think it is more of that the like the early food blogging days that was big but it's kind of it's more phased out now
0: well that's good to know because there are some blogs and recipes that i still look at and i'm just like scrolling past all of this stuff <laughs> But I have noticed now it's like uh, there are substitutions listed in there or it's like, hey, this happened to me, a quick note, just be sure. Yes. Yeah. troubleshooting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and also there's also usually a jump to recipe button at the top. Um, so if you <laughs> don't want to do that, then you can use the jump to recipe. Um, but then right. don't ask questions about things that are above.
0: <laughs> yeah. Don't bug me. Go back and read yeah. it.
1: It's like no, I try to be really helpful to people. And if they have questions, like I do, I want to to help them and make it work. Of course, um, but of it course. is, it is funny, the things that people ask. It's like my
0: stepdad when I was in high school, pre calculus. I'm like, hey, can you help me with this? He's like, Well, have you read the chapter before? And I'm like, No. <laughs> of course I haven't. Just help me with it. Um, but and there's also um there's also restrictions or rules, I guess, on pictures and video, too,
1: right? Um yeah, I wouldn't say like as much restriction, but there's certain things that are encouraged, um, especially if you're trying to like monetize mm-hmm. your site and have ads, um, then you want a certain number of, of things to show. And I think that also people are very visual. So I like trying to do ad step-by-step photos. Um, now, again, it's, it's kind of transitioned to that where now I try to have step-by-step photos for everything because I do feel like people want that. Um, cause that's something that I, I like too, you Same. know, I don't like just have to have the finished product of it looking really pretty. You want to see like, am I doing this right as I'm going through? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Where you're, you have this batter and you're like, this does not look right. This is, just can't <laughs> yeah. be right. Um, so then do you, you do pictures for like the blog, I guess on your website and then you do video for Instagram?
1: Um, and then I also do video for my website as well. Um, again, something that I've kind of transitioned to um, is having, trying to have a kind of like how-to style of video yeah. for most recipes. Um, again, because it's a good way to monetize. Um, I I have ads on my website and ads run before the video. And But also it's it's really helpful for people to see, again, am I doing this right? Just... If you're spending money on ingredients, you want to make sure that you're not messing it up.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, 100%. And I think, think, or I guess let me ask you this. Do you think there is sort of this idea that food blogging is easy, that you're just throwing food in a food processor, you're worrying it about, and then just like, here you go,
1: here it is? Yes. Um, I think a lot of that also has to do with just, again, the the constant content creation, Um, people consuming content so fast these days yeah. um it it doesn't last as long as it used to um and so I think that just yeah the sheer amount that people consume they expect that you're, they're going to see something all the time and that it takes us two seconds to record it and but oh there's no editing involved it just happens to be really quick cuts and serves you really fast <laughs> yeah, we know better we know better. And also um, people's attention spans like video content is no longer like you know the full how to. The the cuts are quick, it has to be like under 30 seconds for for TikTok yeah. and and Reels pretty much.
0: Yeah. It's like can you make beef on in 30 seconds? Thanks. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Um you know there's a million food blogs out there. And you know I was thinking about this because with my podcast, when I created it, I was like, I wanted to call it just another effing podcast because it was like, <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm just one in a bazillion. So how do you, how do you stand out? How do you, how do you make sure people are following you and going to your website? How, how is like cooking with cocktail rings? How do you make that stand out?
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely hard. It's a very saturated market. Um, I will say, I think one thing now. I say that my niche is that I don't have a niche um, because a lot of people have pigeonholed themselves into, you know, vegan blogging, vegetarian, um, only a certain style of cooking where I like to try different cuisines. I love to try different things. Some of my recipes are vegan, but they just happen to be that way because I think it tastes good. And I was craving more veggies that day. Um, I don't limit myself. I, it, it kind of comes with, the recipes kind of come from, whatever I'm craving and, and inspired by at the time. Yeah. Um, and then again, it's the consistency and the relationship I have with my audience. I, I hope that as people make my recipes, they find that they're good and reliable and that they'll come back. Yeah.
0: Um, I interviewed Sarah Moulton a while back last year and her big thing with um, home cooks, especially is that she always wanted to cater to home cooks because she just really felt like that's where, that's, that's where her work translated. And it was just like, and the home cook, she goes versus maybe a chef, you guys, you're doing it out of passion and out of love, and you're not making any money out of dinner, right? You're just doing it because you love it. And so I think a lot of your audience probably relates to that is that you are a home cook.
1: And I, and I, and I try to go for, for quality as well, knowing that I, I've done my research on these things. I've, I've been working in the industry for a while now. So I have some idea of what I'm talking about Absolutely. and have, have done these things kind of over and over, um, so that I can teach others and kind of my tagline is, you know, restaurant quality dishes that you can make at home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, uh, I'm going to pull this up really quickly. Um, you've been in my search for a month now I apologize. <laughs> it's like I'm a creepy stalker. Um I would I say <laughs> I would say you know what you're doing. 236,000 followers on Instagram. That's just Instagram. <laughs> so, I feel like that does say a lot, right? I mean, when we're looking for when I'm looking for a recipe and I see yours pop up on my phone and I'm like, "Oh, oh, she's got a lot of fo- Oh, okay, she's legit." Right? <laughs> I mean, that holds some weight.
1: I I, I like to think it does. I've definitely worked very hard to to grow my audience. Yeah. Um but I will say that that isn't it's not everything. Yeah. Um there are other people out there who, you know, have built followings who maybe um I don't know, have kind of do throw things together yeah, um, say it. Or, just go ahead and say it. This or- is a safe place. <laughs> this is a safe place, well, there, Kylie. But then there's also small accounts that I have found and followed that are incredible yeah. and you know I I want them to have huge audiences because they deserve it and you can see it in their work.
0: I can see it in your work. Everything's so beautiful. It's just Thank you. I'm a big fan of like well-lit interviews and and food. Um so I'm going to ask you, do you like is it a ring light? Do you have special lighting?
1: No, I shoot with all natural lighting. What? Um I am weather dependent. <laughs> yes, this is something <laughs> that I probably need to transition to more like artificial lighting, um, but I just haven't because I also, I live in a, a small Brooklyn apartment and don't have a studio that I can set up and leave up uh, sure. all the time. So I, I, I shoot using natural lighting. I love shooting when it's cloudy out um, and overcast because I just find that that gives, the best look to dishes and and so yep yeah, it's, it's a lot of weather dependent um things so i i really i look at my weather app a lot um and we'll try to <laughs> plan things around that and i have days where it all goes to shit <laughs> and it's sunny when i thought it was gonna be cloudy and i'm like well my day is ruined
0: <laughs> um i'm impressed that it's all natural lighting
1: I love the way it looks. Um, and it's what I'm comfortable with. I know that I need to trans transition to more artificial just so that I can like do more things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to find the time to then teach myself that
0: go you and also
1: to then put up and take down a whole lighting setup. Yeah. So maybe someday
0: I feel you there. Oh, it's so annoying. Um, and then as far as your camera, what do you use?
1: Um, I use a Canon Five D um, Mark Mark Five.
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh, a good one. A nice Mark Four. One. Mark Four. Yeah. Awesome. Um, some of some of the stuff on your on Instagram because that's where I follow you most is I love the overhead shots of like the food processor.
1: <laughs> Thank you. So good. I've got my ladder out. I've got yeah. I, it's funny. I, I try to be better about sharing more behind the scenes stuff on my stories because. Some of it is just so funny. The, the setups that I'll have going today, I was shooting TikToks in like very direct sunlight, um, and I only get that in my apartment hallway. So I was in my hallway with a cart, just looking for that natural, <laughs> that that harsh lighting. And yep, my neighbors probably think I'm crazy. That's okay. But um, they but I try to give them food. So
0: I was gonna say was they're fine. Yeah, you're feeding them. <laughs> they're fine. Um, I would love to see some more behind the scenes. I would love to see you on a ladder, like shooting. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, as far as inspirations go, I think we kind of already touched on it a little bit, but it sounds like if you're craving something, that's what you're going to post.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, well, well, yeah, a lot of my, my recipes are, are dictated by that. Um, and again, research, travel. Yeah. Definitely has a big impact. And you know, eating at incredible restaurants, I'm I'm very lucky to have been to some great restaurants and live in a place where there's so many incredible restaurants from all different cuisines. Like I love that you can travel just a couple of subway stops and get to places like Jackson Heights that have Tibetan food and all all different places around New York. Incredible.
0: Um, Let's talk a little bit about the holidays um, because we're right in the thick of them. Any food traditions you or your family has?
1: Yeah, my family, it's funny. We we're not traditional about a lot of things, but like we have the same things every Thanksgiving. You know, we do the turkey, we do everything. And then um, Christmas on Christmas Eve, we have baked stuffed shrimp. And then on Christmas Day, we have... um, Roast beef tenderloin and these like au gratin potatoes that my mom makes. And it's funny because, yeah, we just we stick with that every year.
0: Well, there's something to be said about it. We do spaghetti and meatballs on Christmas Eve and love that. Right. And like this year, I asked my husband, I'm like, do you want to do something different? Like we could do like cioppino or something. And I'm like, I don't want to. I want to do spaghetti and meatballs or something about it. Yeah,
1: I love that. Yeah. This year um I'm we're not traveling for the holidays um just because getting a little more nervous to fly and both of our families are on the West Coast. So we and we just saw them for Thanksgiving. So we're doing a more intimate Christmas and it's nice because it'll be kind of like the last one, just the two of us. So we're gonna try to get get some reservations that might be harder to get <laughs> and and get around the city. And then we haven't decided what we're gonna do for our Christmas meal, but I don't know we might have to scale it down so yeah I can think about it
0: um what about New Year's Eve any sort of like fun traditions
1: New Year's Eve we don't have any traditions but a couple years ago we had gone to my friend's beach house and we're there with some friends and I love doing like a group cooking activity Mm -hmm. where we can bring everyone into it and so we all made dumplings together and that was really fun
0: uh that sounds amazing that's a lot of fun.
1: It was, it was great. And you know, then I, it's fun to teach people too. So it kind of felt like a little bit of like a cooking class and, and making sure everyone's folding the dumb things. Right. And then you get to all eat your work together. So it's yeah. fun. Um,
0: it always, um, <clears throat> it always cracks me up with friends, especially, um, showing them how to like cut an onion or something. <laughs> and then they'll send me a picture later and they're like, so wait, this side or like this side. So. It's fun. I love that. Yeah. It's fun to be the teacher occasionally.
1: It is. I I have a friend. She will send me like whatever she has, a list of things she has in her fridge. And she's like, okay, what can I make from this? It's like my own personal version of chopped.
0: Nice. (laughs) That's impressive. I think that's actually impressive when um, I, I occasionally nail it where you're just like, I only have these things and you make dinner and it's like, oh, that was really good.
1: That happened to me the other night and it's going to turn into a recipe on my website.
0: (laughs) Can I, can I ask what it was?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was like a 50, it took me like 15 minutes to make this, um, like broccoli, cheddar and mac and cheese kind of situation. But we like snuck a bunch of like, kind of like sneaky vegetables in and it just, Mm. it came together and it was so quick and easy that I was like, okay, you know, I feel like it would be good for people with kids, just like families. You can kind of build off of it or just serve that.
0: Yeah. I used to sneak in veggies in my kids, uh, like I did a twice baked potato and just load Love it twice with baked potatoes. cheese and butter and you chop up the veggies super fine, he would eat the whole thing. Brilliant. <laughs> it's so it is so a so thing. Smart. It is a thing. Um, do you find that you often use the same like handful of ingredients?
1: There's definitely ingredients that I use frequently I wouldn't say all the time um but I would say there's like ones that definitely like are reoccurring in a lot of my recipes because I just love them I mean caramelized onions is one of them Mm -hmm. I could put those on so many things um gochujang the Korean uh, Mm -hmm. red pepper paste um clavier and chilies is another one um that kind of like all of those like good spicy flavors miso paste um I use in a lot of my recipes Hmm. yeah
0: uh what dishes have you found kind of go nuts with people like your audience that they just can't get enough of
1: so I actually shared a recipe for you know like um, spicy tuna crispy rice yeah yeah so I made a kind of pregnancy friendly version using a spicy shrimp salad instead of spicy tuna because I think I love sushi so much Uh and it's recommended that you don't overdo it on sushi or you eat a lot of high mercury seafoods right. and so I had made this shrimp salad and it went for some reason it went viral on Instagram and TikTok and it was great because of course people people also I mean I put the recipe like hey you can get the recipe here in the caption and everyone was commenting recipe recipe I'm like okay read the caption but <laughs> that's that's a separate issue but so it directed a ton of traffic to my website, and and you know it performed very well, and people have had a great response to it, and it's, it's an easy one to make. And I've shared spicy like, tuna crispy rice before, um, but for some reason, one video can just blow up and then drive traffic to your website, and the kind of like cross promotion is is great.
0: That is nuts to me. Um, <laughs> it's that, wild. The food blogger I was telling you about she was mentioning a recipe she created like three years ago is just now popping up first on Google.
1: So interesting. It's, it's really wild how things like that happen.
0: Yeah. So would you call that your, the dish of 2022 for you? Was that?
1: Yeah. 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 It de- it definitely was just because it was cool to go with that viral. <laughs> I've never experienced it to that level before. So that was definitely a, an interesting, like, career milestone,
0: and I'm sure too. It's validation, right?
1: It is, yeah.
0: It's got to feel good that you're like, oh, okay, oh, yeah, I'm onto something. <laughs> That's amazing.
1: But then, of course, you try to create. You're like, okay, I've got this. I'll do a similar style of video and you know, an, an interesting recipe. Fall flat. <laughs> like, okay, so, so you never know what will go viral and what will not, and sometimes you just have to chalk it up to it being right place, right time. I mean you
0: just have to keep going, right? Like you can't Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um you did write a cookbook. You are a cookbook I author. It's called I am. Share and Savor. Um it's stunning. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Uh the Thank photography you. I was the photography you in. mm-hmm. incredible.
1: Yeah that was definitely a really cool passion project. Um I love that as Someone who creates things that are digital and, you know, all my recipes are online. All of my videos are all online. To have a physical work product was really cool.
0: Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. Something that you can like touch and yeah, give to someone. You're like, look at, looky what I did. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, We are going to wrap up and get to the final three, but I just want to mention to everybody, your website is, it's really, it's like an online cookbook if you will um your travel adventures are on there but also you have a section called lifestyle where if if I maybe missed something on Instagram I can kind of go back and look there's a holiday gift guide you've put on uh cheap eats on a budget no cook recipes for summer 44 best chicken recipes so that's just like a handful of things that are on that so if you're not busy if you're not busy enough (laughs) right you created all this other stuff on your website (laughs)
1: I, I, try to make it easy for people to use as a reference. Um, just, you know, if you're thinking you want chicken for dinner, then here you go. Here's 44 of up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Um, what is your favorite way to eat chicken?
1: That's so hard. I know. Um, I, I mean, I love fried chicken. So same. Delicious. Same. With I lunch? was just in the South. <laughs> yeah. I was just in the South for Thanksgiving and, I was driving back and my mom and I were like I I can't eat it anymore fried chicken.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's um my family lives in South Carolina and uh one of my favorite things my uncle makes is chicken and rice with mm. with sausage and the rice is just it's like a li- not soupy but it's like not dry whatsoever. It's just really I'm going to say the M word. It's moist and delicious. <laughs> And I asked him, you know, as far as the chicken, because I'm wanting this recipe, he's like, you have to find a hen, not like a fryer. You have to find a hen because they're fattier. And that imparts all this flavor into the stock and in in your rice. And I could eat like five plates of chicken. And I just like,
1: yeah,
0: it's incredible. But then you come home and you're like, okay, no more chicken and rice. I can't do it.
1: Yeah, I, I will say there's also, I make this um, Coco van Blanc. It's mm. with chicken thighs in like a creamy bacon, onion, mushroom sauce. And I just eat like a whole loaf of bread Stop. dipping in the sauce too. Yum. And it's like such a great winter cozy recipe. And that's one that I make for dinner parties a lot. It's like easy to scale up, scale down. It's a fun one.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, I have a friend who eats a lot of chicken, so I'm already sending her to... Your website because she was asking me for a long time. I need some new chicken recipes. And I'm like, I just don't, I don't know. So I'm sending her to you.
1: Perfect. Yeah. <laughs>
0: 44. Here's 44. Yeah.
1: Go wild. Right.
0: Um, all right, Kylie. We are going to wrap up and get to the final three. Um, uh, my okay. favorite part. Best advice you've ever been given.
1: Ooh. Um, not comparison not comparing yourself to others it's so hard. It's something that I constantly am working on. Um, there's a Teddy Roosevelt quote comparison is the thief of joy. And I think it's very accurate. Um, again, it's, it can be hard. You see other people having success, especially on the internet, especially on social media, everything looks perfect. Everything looks curated and you just got to kind of put your head down and yeah. not always Yeah, compare yourself to others.
0: Um, my husband says that quote to me like on the daily, because I, yeah, my husband reminds
1: me of it as well.
0: (laughs) I struggle with that too. And I think when you are, when you're the majority of your career is on social media, we live and die. We live and die by social media. Right. Um, I have a lot of friends who are like, Oh, I, I'm never on social media. And I'm like, I can't not be on social media. It's my, it's my job. Um, but I would tell my reporters that when I worked in TV, you can't look at what everybody else is doing around you. You have to put your blinders on and kind of stick to your own path and stick to what mm-hmm. you do best. And I think that's huge. Like if you're, if you're going to compare yourself to others, then you're not going to be true to Kylie.
1: Yeah. And that's something that I, I learned really kind of earlier on. And that was a big um, kind of trial and error thing for me. And I think was a big turning point to where I found success was not trying to be like other people. And like, because, you know, you don't really know what your look is going to be, what kind of recipes you're going to put out there and you're kind of first like finding yourself. So you're kind of imitating others. And then I, once I found my own voice and kind of followed that, that's where I, I think that I found success.
0: Brilliant. I love that. That's awesome. Um, what's your happy place?
1: Ooh, my happy place. Um, um I have a couple okay yay so (laughs) so one um is in San Clemente my uncle lives there and that's what brought me up to California in the first place and my husband and I would drive down and it's just like so relaxing being by the beach and I just I love it we when we were in college like we would drive down and have weekends there. Um, and then another one is Martha's Vineyard. I grew up going there uh, in the summers. And I just obviously love it. I love East Coast beach towns. <laughs> um, and I also, I, I kind of love the like haven that I've built in my own apartment. Um, it's just so cozy, especially right now. It's decorated for Christmas. Mm. Um, and it's just like, it's, you know, it's a small Brooklyn apartment, but it's like a nice place to come home to. And, and I love it. Yeah. I'm a massive. What about you?
0: What's your happy place? Well, I love that question. Oh, yay. Um, probably I have a couple too, the Oregon coast. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's like kind of mysterious and spooky and really cold. And I love cold weather. (laughs) Um, it's not an, it's not an ocean. Well, you know, SoCal, it's not an ocean that you're like, ah, the water is so inviting. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just mysterious. It's very Goonies like, right? Like it just, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's perfect. And then, um, South Carolina just with family in Mm -hmm. South Carolina. It's just, it's always a good time. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's one of my favorite questions. What's your happy place. Um, and it also is a state of mind too, right? Like in my kitchen is also a happy place for me.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, and all yeah, things, so that place where you can like relax yes. and everything kind of like fades away.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm a homebody. So, and my house is decorated for Christmas and it's just, yeah, there's no, we'll go out, like we'll go grab a beer in the afternoon or something. And I'm like, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go sit on the couch.
1: Um, yeah, I know not I'm like a mix. I, I like a balance of, of being social and going out and exploring new things and then coming back to. My couch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Absolutely. Uh, in all things food and drink, what do you crave?
1: Sushi. Yeah. Especially right now because I can't really have it. <laughs> um, and I mean, and, and like, yes, I can, especially because like it's very high quality fish here in New York, yeah. but I the anxieties that come along with it during pregnancy is is tough for me. Um so yeah, sushi, really craving that. Drink. Again, right now because I can't have it. I, I would say a really good martini. Ooh. Okay. I love a dirty, a dirty gin martini. So those are my, my current cravings.
0: Okay. Well, just a matter of what a few weeks.
1: Yeah, a few yeah. Oh god. Sorry. <laughs> I was about to say months, but
0: <laughs> sorry, Mom. But you're right. Yeah. I mean that little human's gonna be here before you know it. Yeah. Um, well, and then I hope you can just gorge on sushi and not too many martinis, but enjoy, <laughs> enjoy a martini, celebrate, celebrate your kiddo. Absolutely. Um, you have been a delight with a capital D.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Trish. Aww. This is so much fun.
0: Good. And I'm so glad um, I stumbled across. Oh, holy crap. I totally <laughs> forgot to ask you about cocktail rings. I know. Oh the, yeah, I know the story. But tell me really quickly. Um, cocktail rings. This is a nod to family, right?
1: Yes. So my great grandmother had this incredible cocktail ring collection. And if you don't know, cocktail rings are kind of more like ostentatious rings with gemstones um, that you would wear to a cocktail party. And my great grandfather, one of his passions, he was a doctor, but in his free time, he would collect these gemstones on his travels and he would bring them back and have them made into rings and jewelry for her. And so I inherited that collection. And so I, I love wearing them. Um, I have a lot of them and it's just, a, it's a really cool nod to family.
0: That's so sweet. I didn't realize that your great grandfather would collect the gemstones
1: and then make rings for her. Yeah. Oh! Yeah really cool and a lot of them like they just like don't make them like that anymore There's just like really cool designs and and then when I came out with my first cookbook um I actually had my own cocktail ring made I have a friend who's a jeweler she did my engagement ring and my wedding rings and so she um helped me create my own cocktail ring
0: I love that story I love well I love a good grandma story anyways but um (laughs) do you cook do you cook with the cocktail rings on
1: no okay. because you know you really can't It's a pain in the ass. It's not ass. good for them. <laughs> it's first of all it's a pain in the ass. Second of all it's it's not good for for the stones. <laughs> no.
0: Well, and if you're like me I'm washing my hands probably a, a few dozen times when I'm cooking depending on what I'm cooking and so I couldn't I was going to Well, ask you know, you what? don't want them to like
1: food to get stuck in there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Like- I will say I still like I wear my wedding ring like all the time and so I did, I, that needs more cleaning. Yeah. Then. You're like,
0: oh, there's a little, is that ground beef? Oh, oh, okay, gross.
1: <laughs> uh, That's where people get critical. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm eating the food. It's not you, so. Yeah, exactly. It's it's going- I don't work in a restaurant. Yeah, it's going in my mouth.
0: Um, yeah. Kylie, Maison Chambers, you, again, have been an absolute delight. Really quickly, everybody, co- uh, cookingwithcocktailrings.com is your website. And then- the brand is so good cooking with cocktail rings on instagram and tiktok correct mm-hmm. okay yep so go check out her stuff it's absolutely incredible and drool worthy and delicious and i'm so glad again i stumbled across you and i'm so glad we chatted for the last hour me you're, too you're delight. so nice uh Thank happy you. holidays to you congratulations you too on the new
1: kid baby proof everything Thank you. yes thank you Kylie so appreciate it thank you so much for having me have a good one
0: you've been listening to hungry for more an epicurean's dilemma with me Trish Glose today's episode sponsored by tap and vine 559 the place to eat meat and drink in southern Oregon you can watch this podcast and subscribe on my youtube channel just search hungry for more you can also listen and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts